Hello and welcome to the DevDC podcast. My name is Shay Reardon and today we have Mandeep Singh. Mandeep is a cloud automation and transformation leader here in the DC area. Thanks for being on today, Mandeep. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Hi. It's great to see you again. Um, so the DevDC podcast is geared towards the growth and development of uh, IT leaders and engineers. Um, Mandeep, uh, why don't we kick it off and, and have you tell your story? <laughs> First of all, guys, thank you. Thank you for having me here, James. Uh, uh, it, and I think uh, the kind of purpose that's attached to this podcast definitely kind of motivated me to be here. Uh, and we will talk more about it. Uh, as far as my story, guys, I would say uh, I'm the first generation immigrant here. That's very important to tell. Uh, and the reason why I bring it up here is that if you have a sense of purpose and motivated yourself, uh, you know, I think it's everything is achievable, right? Yeah. Uh, I will start with my story from schooling because it's critical uh, to understand that why I'm so, what developed my personality and uh, why I, I tend to have certain instincts at certain situations. So back in my school, uh, I always wanted to be an affluent uh, English speaker, right? Because I grew up in India uh, and there English is definitely a you know, buzzword. People think you're smart if you can talk in English and fluently, okay. right? And uh, to my luck or bad luck, and I would say why luck and bad luck, uh, I had this decorated army officer who said, uh, young man, come to me and I want to know where is your principal offices? And I went up to him because I was so eager to speak in English. I said, you know what, let me take it. And I told my friends, I said, let me take it. And uh, I just went up to, to, to this officer and said, let me show you the uh, show you the way. Right? Or let okay. me teach you the way, not show you the way. And that's what you say. You said, let me teach you the way. Okay. I had a sense of purpose, which is that I want to speak in English. Right? Yeah. And yeah. I got an opportunity right there. And I latched on it. I was wrong. And uh, ah, that's not being very wrong, though. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 he was a colonel, uh, colonel in the army, and he, he started walking with me. You know what okay. he said to me? He said, young man, uh, you thank you for, first, first of all, helping me out, showing me the way. But he said, this is how not you say it. This is this is little aggressive. This little, uh, you know, uh, you know, this is not the right way to. Put put in a sentence. He said, like the right way to say is be more courteous as to let me guide you the way, sir. Or let me show you the way, right? Sure. So let me teach you the way. Don't they three things mean the same? Depends where you use it. And you know, I, I did not tell this thing to anybody up until now. That gave me a sense of purpose, which was like, you know what? I want to speak English. I want to be good at it, but I want to speak English in the right way. Through that exercise, people will say I might have failed in the sense that no. I did not. No, like in a sense, what I'm trying to say is that my friend said, hey, man, you should have done it. But I said, you know what? In that entire exercise, my, my sense of purpose is more resolute. What happened to that? I went back and it forced my dad, who used to have a good, uh, you know, you know, personal liaison with the bookkeepers and like stores keepers who used to have these you know stationary novels i i said that i need the novels for that summer vacation and you i think i read about 11 or 12 novels okay and i had my own diary of about 
which had about 3,000 odd English vocab words. And did you say how, how old you were? I think you said you're in middle school. Was it? I was, I was at my, yeah, in 10th grade, uh, which is like junior. 10th grade. Yeah. So yeah. at that time, and from there on, it just, it, it just gave me confidence to a point where I was chosen as a lead to my, for my school. I was, I, I was always on the stage and I, I think the confidence started coming in me because you know what happened through that sense of purpose, I was able to give myself a direction. Sure. When sense of purpose and direction get mixed, you're further more motivated. That was my first ever learning uh, where I said, you know what? Things are achievable. You have to try it. You might fail, but each failing or trying itself is a success for your learning curve. So the reason why I went to the school, you know, this is this talk is all about, you know, uh, future grooming. Yeah, sure. And I want to I tell, like, the if any any of the students are in the college or somebody who, who who who's trying to break through those you know ranks or titles and sometimes feel a little bit taken aback, will I succeed? I tell them, yes, you will. You may not succeed the first time, but have a sense of purpose and have a sense of purpose to motivate you. Through that sense of purpose and motivation, you will set yourself a direction, a path where people will come in and help you. Through some feedback, through some, no matter what, like we are talking to each other. Through you, I have learned it. There's another way to, you know, reach out to people. Right. So my story from college, school to college, and at college, uh, I would definitely be very, very honest. Uh, academically, if you're pretty awesome in the, uh, uh, you know, your academic uh, academic curriculum, uh, it gives you a knowledge of pursuing a problem but it doesn't give you wisdom hmm. there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom what is that difference in a sense you know if i ask my son today that tell me son how do you drive a car and he has seen enough videos academic <laughs> yeah pretty pumped up and he said i have to go in the car open the door you know, put my hand, put my put my foot on the accelerator, hand on the lever, pulling, and there you go. I need to steer it, right? And then I will say, okay, my son, if you have to take a right, uh, right, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a turn, what would you do? He's like, I'll take a right turn. I said, how will you do? He's like, oh. right? Yeah. This is a knowledge he has gained it, but when he's going to actually start driving it, wisdom start to come. Where's the, what's the difference between these two is that whatever knowledge you gain up until you don't apply it, your wisdom doesn't come up. Today, if I ask you, if, if like somebody asked me how to drive a car, if I have to take right, left, my answer will never change because that wisdom has been thoroughly uh, concentrated, strengthened over the years. That answer has been pretty standard. Right. Mm, right. So in college, I was never very a solid, smart academic student, but I was pretty confident for things that I used to know. If I know something, then I know something, right? Right. Right. So that helped me. Uh, and I give you an example of uh, just sharing your story out of it. Uh, I'll try to keep it short. That one of my teacher who used to be a friend of my cousin and my cousin was a professor in the same college where I did my engineering uh, from, uh, from. So okay. I have a computer science and engineering background, right? Back in India. It's one of the top colleges in India where I went. Where, where was it? 
it was it's called National Institute of Technology in Punjab. Yeah. Okay. Uh, after IITs, they are one of the most known, uh, you know, kind of reputed college. So yeah. I went. And I told my brother, cousin, I said, hey, brother, he's your friend. Can you just kind of give a word or two to him? That's so that, you know, I can get a little favor. So he's like, yeah, sure. So he went to me. So he said, like, look, this he's my cousin. Make sure you really drill him hard. <laughs> okay. And, and then I'm getting, uh, and I met this guy on the stairs, This my professor. His name was uh, Mr. Ajay. And he said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to take your viva. This is your... Uh, curriculum from which I'm going to ask you any question. I can ask question from anywhere. That, again, you know what? Again, I said sense of purpose was that I want to do well in it. But then when he kind of touched on my, you know, that learning instinct, and he touched on this, I said, like, maybe my brother wanted something better out of me. Right. I back, I totally, I would say some of thing I crammed, some of thing I tried to understand, you know, just to fare well in front of him. And when I came out of the that entire viva exercise he went to my brother he said you know man uh your, your brother did very well i would not say that he answered everything but if in a night he could do this stuff and came up in front of me with the confidence tell him to work more hard so that he can answer everything going forward that gave me uh, again a direction that if you have a sense of purpose you need mentors who who can direct you right kind of mentor who brings a positivity i could have taken this thing as a negative man i'm not never gonna talk to my cousin i'm never i'm not never gonna but i that i still he he, he doesn't know it maybe if he listens to this podcast Where, where's your cousin now he's st he's still in india right okay. he's, he's a he's a very sharp guy he has a phd in mechanical engineering very sharp guy yeah so he has played a lot of, you know he's played a pretty critical he's, he's gonna have fun listening to this story he's gonna yeah and uh his name is Dr. Baines, uh, and he's a director of uh, engineering institute uh, in India. Oh, cool. So from college, that's where, you know, it's, I'm trying to drive this discussion from sense of purpose, right, towards motivation and how critical mentorship is. Hmm. Sense of purpose plus keeping yourself motivated plus the mentorship is a success formula. Right. Right. It's in the sense that now you want to do something you're keeping yourself motivated, not somebody has come in your life who has done it in the past and will show you how to do it. I went to school. From there, uh, I, I served in Indian defense for five years. Uh, so my Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, well, that was an eye-opener. Uh, I want to, in very, you know, uh, I just want to totally bring two names with the highest gratitude I can ever. Uh, one is Major General Sharma. He was my boss. And another guy who actually has been my mentor, though technically in defense, you have ranks. You go by ranks. Mm -hmm. But I go by wisdom. Who knows who has more wisdom than me? I think he's senior to me, right? Sure. So another guy was Narendra Thakur. Hopefully he will listen to it. These two were my true mentor. Who I am today, these two people have helped a lot in shaping me. First, Major General Sharma. I'll talk about him. Okay. If you can ever find anybody positive 24-7, even in his dream, this could be him, right? I have about nine scientific publications in the field of avalanche prediction using a simulation, digital simulation models. For a person who comes from a computer science background 
and virtually have no background about scientific algorithms because our course curriculum never teaches you all this stuff. I've never, I'm never oriented towards research in R&D. I'm still, I'm not an R&D person. I'm right. more of hands-on. I can solve problems, but you know, that's not my, that's not my uh, strong side. Right. He kept on motivating he, and he used to come sit right in my desk all the time. Like I'm preparing some automation modules or virtual reality models. He will look at it, look at like, you know what I'm trying to go closer to the screen. He will look like this. Okay. I know <laughs> what this is. And you know what? I used to get scared for the time. First, initially I used to get scared, man, this guy knows he, he was a field recce person, knows about the field, like to a, to a pinpoint accuracy. And I would like, I was like, he knew that was wrong. He knew it that the model is wrong. But he kept on pointing me, like, look, look, this, this, this looks to me like this. And I he said, you're not too far off company, man. Looks like if we do your geographical uh, you know, uh, mapping. So he wasn't telling you what was wrong, he was just telling you it was yeah. wrong. <laughs> That's the true sign of a leadership. Yeah. A true leader does not define how and why part of a problem statement. A true leader never does it for you unless you're too off the track. He knew that I understood the problem statement. The problem statement was to generate the accurate digital elevation model, to generate the accurate digital terrain model, or to generate the accurate virtual reality for, for my folks in the field. He gave me the problem statement. but And when he saw I was wrong, I did enough of research to do why and how part of it. He just came in and corrected me. That's what leaders do. That's what leaders do. If I'm sitting, if he was sitting and right on my talk, do like this, do like this, there was no learning in it. And we mm -hmm. ended up putting nine. Uh, so from him, I understood what leadership is all about. What it, it. And you talk a little bit about um, how you make, uh, convert an employee into an employee asset. And it sounds like that's kind of related. And that goes back yeah. to, you know, you came over to the United States in, in 2004. And what year are we talking about now when you were uh, working on the virtual reality modules? <laughs> what year would that have been? It, that was 2004. That's the time. That was 2004. Okay. And I still talk to the folks back home. Yeah. Share my, yeah. share my, share my learnings with them. But the key thing is like for a leader, the problem statements keep different, but his style does not. If a leadership is an enable, enabling leadership, I can tell you if this major general Sharma is now working on a construction company, it more kind of automating or modernizing it, he's still grooming same kind of people who are positive, yeah, go-getters forward. And you've brought that up a few times, right? And you're you're an engineer, you know, that's what your background is, and and you talk a lot about like soft skills. You know, you've brought that up a few times. Um, you know, making sure that you have purpose, uh, you have direction, uh, you have a mentor, uh, that you're staying positive, right? And that's one of the characteristics that you admired most of your mentor. And I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, that is uh, a focus of yours, right? Is, is you know, those elements, not like, hey, you need to uh, be studying more on Python or something like that. It's, you know, how do you make yourself this well-rounded person? Yeah. True. I, I think you're spot on. I think you have given a better shape to my words. Yes. Uh, again, the reason is, Shem, is like the, if you look at today, a problem can have many why factors. And from why factors, there could be many how factors, how you can solve it. There are two kind of people who you would find in the market today, which 
which I was once, where I would look at the how, I would not go from problem to why to how, I would go from problem directly to how. In that entire model, mm -hmm. you're solving the present problem. You're right. not thinking about the future, right? And if when you talk, when you when you become too non-agnostic about recommending how you want to do it, you're limiting yourself. I always feel that you're limiting yourself. Yeah, you you are becoming like a machine almost, opposed machine. to a creative asset, yeah. right? Correct. Um, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, so I think yeah that that's at, I I think over the time I started putting more work this content more structured for this podcast because I went back tried to think about yeah how did I how did I improve myself and these are the key learnings that I can share and I think for for the folks who are successful congratulations to them for and I think I want to work more towards people who want to be successful right who want to be uh, recognized. And, you know, who wanted to, you know, and sometimes some people's success criteria is not to be on the papers, not to be on the news or not to be CEO. Some people want to do a very constructive kind of work, which speaks for itself, which which benefit people, right? It's useful people. These people, not everybody wants to be in, in a media limelight or want to, everybody has their own success criteria. So I'm, Absolutely. I, I don't want to be very technology focused. I want to be more about, uh, framework about the process, about, about, about the approach one can take. And this is my side of the story. It may not be applicable to everybody, So, but I'm just sharing what I thought worked for me. Uh, so I think from there on, I came to United States. United States was pretty awesome. Uh, I just want to bring my look here. You see, I wear turban, right? Mm -hmm. I look different, right? Seamus look different. I interact with people who look different. Yeah. So sometimes my appearance might be a little in, be intriguing for people. Sometimes it could be a little bit of a pushback for me because, hey, this guy may not fit into it, right? Because he looks different, he talks different, his accent is different. Then somebody gave me a very good answer. He said, it's absolutely okay to be different. But to feel down just because you look different is the worst feeling ever to have. That's a strong statement. And I was like, you know, and I would, let me kind of brag about it. The statement actually came out of inside of me. I, I would not say somebody told me this. I till they talk to my kids, right? Because they're going to follow what, how do I look, hopefully, right? Yeah. You And from there, that gave me again a sense of purpose. Was that, why would I not use my looking different as a tool because people try to create the visibility there so that people know you by name, I have been given a you know, natural uh, you know, outlook where I can use it to my benefit. That's what happened. A little bit of a positive work that I would do just because I, I would stand out for my looks, people knew my name. True, yeah. There's something to be said about that, right? Yeah. Um, to be yourself, right? And if you are different... Uh, that's a good Correct. thing. <laughs> and, no. Yes. And I, from there on, I, you know what? It taught me a leadership uh, values, which was not everybody of your employee will have the personality trait of being uh, an extrovert. You will get people who are introvert. People will think that if they ask me about me, about my looks, about my turban, about my beard, why do I look less? 
could be uh, you know could be not upsetting maybe uh, maybe they they sometimes they feel they may offend me if they ask mm. me and you know what i started doing i turned the coin on this like i used to when somebody's looking at me like an eye of an intrigue with with some curiosity i said man i know what you're looking at let me sit with you but so i kid called me look mom this guy looks like a genie in the bottle you know because he's doing i said yes i am a genie in the bottle i said but then from there the entire talk from their curiosity i took them to the near real information real knowledge who i am yeah helped right so leadership is not about always pressing people for results leadership about produce is 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 to tell people that you're a professional for 8 hours for 16 hours you live your life in the personal society you need to bring so there's a corporate social responsibility you as an employee have towards your society like in the linkedin i posted what india is going through today right if they know me who i am where i came from they will have that empathy towards it be inclusive try to reach out to people if 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 you feel they're not coming up something that's not their personality right in in that approach you're grooming a person out of his personality trait and you're making him more open and then God, man, some people have been really rock stars when that happens. Yeah, it's hard. And when the folks are listening to this, they'll see your your LinkedIn picture. Uh, what I think is prevalent is your mustache, right? And how you're like, <laughs> so how do you slick it back like that? <laughs> you know, Put some wax uh, in it or something? <laughs> I think this is, again, I would say a little bit of, and and I, I intentionally does it. Yeah. You know why? Now you picked it. I want people to pick whatever different they think, whatever thing that intrigues them or excites them about me. So mustache is, you know, like for 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 my religion, it's a belief that each body part comes with a purpose. Period. Right? And okay. everybody has their own beliefs. So they said mustaches are there. Why they not did not come on the nose? So there could be some purpose. We do not know what that is. Right? So the reason why I keep my mustaches like is is to this shows more the more the you know pointed they are more the pride that you should feel in me that how proud i am for my looks for for being able to keep this identity what my parents wanted me to keep what my 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 religious belief wanted me to keep so i'm i'm more thankful to that side that you know what you know god has been blessing that i'm mm-hmm. able to keep it but whence his blessing is is if i don't realize this the god's blessing Maybe one day, you know, I may, may, may kind of relinquish this look. Hopefully, that should never happen. So I keep praying for it. But the sense—it's a sense of pride, right? Sense of pride for me that you know my mustache is talks about. Like, it, it is. It is a heck of a mustache. You should should be proud of that. <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense as mine. <laughs> yeah, I think you could keep it going. You know, I think it could be wider. I challenge you to do that. <laughs> um, so you can yeah, so have a broader smile with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that from there, from college, and then I came to the United States, uh, and and in here, I would just talk about a little couple more things, to stuff here before we move to the next topic. Sure. You know, I was, you know, somehow there was a fire in me. If I think, you know, let's say Shamus is my leader, and he's trying to do some strategic development planning, and in that SDP, he did not mention my name for some reason. Because you know he thought somebody else could do it better, I would keep knocking at that door. I would say, "Hey, man, I can." Good do for it. you. I can. Yeah. Trust me, I can. No, that it. goes back to uh, when you uh, showed the gentleman to the uh, principal's office, right? I mean, 
that's been instilled in you since you were in 10th grade. You're going to try to do it. (laughs) So like, um, I mean, that is making yourself vulnerable though, right? Because you consistently seem to do that. You, you step up and try to do something, even though, you know, maybe you're not going to get a hundred percent, right. But you're generally going to get it right. And then the next time you're definitely going to get it right. Or the time after that, you're definitely going to get it right. Like, how do you, how do you help others try to feel that way when you're like managing them or when they're in, you know, you've been at a bunch of different organizations in the, in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. I mean, that's a good quality for people to have. How do you, how do you try to push people like that, but make it feel like they're doing it on their own? You know what I mean? So my, my, one of the strategy that I have uh, used uh, in the past is I, I, you know, through a principle of inclusiveness, Remember, I spoke yeah. about my strategies. I never, ever will give you a definition. I will bring a problem statement on the table. From the problem statement, you know, that's that's where I said, look, man, this is the problem we have as a team, right? And then within from the meeting, I will be able to judge. Some people will have, uh, you know, multiple sentences to envision the problem statement to go to a why part. And there are some people who are very quiet people, but they have three or four words liners, which breaks the puzzle. If you're speaking a lot less in my meeting, my focus is going to be more on you. If you're speaking a lot, you already if have So a- if you're speaking less in a meeting, your yeah. focus is going to be more on that individual. More on okay. that. What? Is he or she trying to be? Because everybody has a personality. I always tell totally. people, if you're into an organization, even before you understand an organization culture, try to understand your team personality. Understand the person personality. That has a lot to do with this professional success. A lot to do. Yeah. Like, I'm a very awkward. You can talk to me even at 12 a.m. in the night. Call me. I will talk to you. Right? There are people... After 6 p.m., they don't want to be contacted. This is their personality. So essentially, you're managing two different entities for the same goal, success criteria, in a different way because it's a personality. Mm-hmm. It's to know their personality. I would not name a company. I came to a company where I inherited people uh, who did not have much of expertise for the problems we were trying to solve. And out of those people, some were very aggressive. They were pretty positive. They were on the word, they were on the track from the word go. And you bring up positive again. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So we're pretty slow. Mm-hmm. This was my statement to them. I said, look, Mandeep will never put an a task assignment to you up until you say I'm ready to take it. I never do that. I will never assign anything to somebody up until he or she is willing to take on that because I want them to do that with a passion, a positivity. If you're raising your hand, you will give me the best of the solution. Because So, so to be clear, it's not like you're asking them because, or you don't wait for them to be ready. You wait for them to ask, right? Is, is that what I'm hearing? Okay. I would say, no, I won't. I'm t- I guess defining ready is different, right? Because there's ready, yeah. like technically ready. And then there's ready, like as a person, I'm ready. <laughs> so you may yeah. say readiness criteria. For mine, the readiness criteria is your willingness not to jump into the fire and knowingly that you're going to get burned. Another readiness criteria is you're staying outside the fire. You know you're going to get burned, but you're never trying to 
jump into it, right? So when you have that feeling that now, you know what, I know I'm gonna get burned and you are jumping and that's a time, for me, that's a readiness. You acknowledge that, because at that is the time <clears throat> without passion, without a you know sense of drive, I don't think you will give the best solution. Uh, some of the thing, you were there in the last, uh, 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 yeah, on Saturday. Right. Yeah, that's a good thing you do. So I guess for our listeners, if you want to just talk about, you know, what you were doing on Saturday and, you know, for the folks in India. Uh, it's remember like when I spoke about our academical curriculum, it's not a problem to speak at India. It's a problem mm-hmm. in the U.S. also. I'm trying to work, talk to a lot of students. Our curriculum is not making you ready for a future. They are trying to solve a present problem. They're still talking about C++, C sharp. Yeah. Don't talk about how part. Tell them what are the things they're going to be exposed to when they're going to go into. Let's say if person is interested in AI, ML, person is interested in cybersecurity, he gives shit about what he is, right? He yeah. wants to know what is cybersecurity? What does that even solve about? Right? Help me understand it. So there is a very big disconnect between the curriculum that you're taught, that, that you're taught in the institution versus the problem statements that you get on the ground moment you are out of the field. Through that, that, that entire, the difference between that curriculum versus reality, at times you, in that entire shift or transition, you sometimes lose one of the, some of the best, you know, assets uh, from technology you can think about because their confidence is trains out. Oh, totally. Well, they're doing something that they don't really see the why behind, right? right? Whereas on Saturday, you know, you had folks and it's from US and India. So you see the curriculum that they're learning. And then on Saturday, you give them opportunity to practice what would actually be happening in the real world. Correct. And that probably helps motivate them to do the other things that they have to do to get the A's and B's to graduate. But they see you know, and we, we, you and I were on and we're explaining, hey, why Jenkins for CI and then, you know, manually scripting the CD and like, let's talk about automation and where that can go. And like that, those are exciting things. And you can put real numbers behind what's happening in enterprises around here. I thought it was really cool. And Gilbert actually messaged me this morning. Hopefully he reached out to you. Um, he was asking me the best setup for a CI CD pipeline. So <laughs> this, this, this is what I'm trying to do then. Yeah, it's cool. You know, remember what I said, if you're able to give them a sense of purpose, remember, I speak about that sense of purpose to motivation. These training sessions are motivation for them. Look, what we talk about, this is doable. If you just go back, think about it, anybody can do it. Through that doing, they they may be facing some challenges to understand something better. And now those guys are pinging you. In this, they're getting a mentoring. Mentorship. This is exactly. I'm trying to bridge the gap between their curriculum, their students, from students. I tell them to focus. Don't go to the wire how part yet. You're yeah. not ready for that. Really do understand what is that you want to do. That's your problem statement. Right? Yeah, it, it's crazy, man, deep. Because things don't like this goes back to you in tenth grade, yeah. like learning English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just I threw yourself in there. You know, right. you raised your right. hand. So. Right, just raise your hand. Um, and some, and even on the LinkedIn, when I put those sessions, uh, typically I, I have done, I used to do, I, I would do a prototype by myself. So I've given them a demonstration. You have missed those sessions earlier where I built the entire pipeline for them end to end with monitoring and everything. 
But to fill that, first of all, you are successful as a mentor or leader if you show them you can do it. They don't want to be talking to a person who is just all words, right? Yeah. When you technically demonstrate to them, the confidence gets built. And this is, again, a leadership quality. If your team doesn't have a confidence in you, you are a manager for them. You will never be able to lead them to new ideas. Lead right. means lead to a new ideas, not right. to, you know. So <clears throat> that, those sessions are being done so that you can really connect to what are the real problems that you will solve in the corporate world. Now go back. What does curriculum teaches you? Definitely curriculum teaches your workflow. It teaches you some of the methodology. You have to look at that methodology, then translate that methodology on the processes, what is available to the tools, then solve the problem for that. Right? Mm-hmm. This kind of sessions help them connect. I focus a lot on the soft skills also. Some of the people have that, that have come to the session, they are like they are like pretty you know, seasoned uh, professionals have been working in the field for 10 years. But if I ask them, hey, what is that problem statement that you worked on? They took forever to answer it. Mm-hmm. Those sessions have helped them immensely that some of the people have texted me back. They said, look, you know what? After that session, now I know what is that I'm working on. Now I'm so focused on it, I have enhanced this entire stuff. Previously, I was not even know what this, why I was being hired. What is that I'm trying to solve with this company? I always tell in 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 a in, 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 in a like, you know, today if you go into the market, there are many followers, many followers, but but there are few leaders. It's because our academic, sometimes our corporate culture. Sometimes our, uh, you know, grooming, they, they don't have that aspect. My grooming did not have that aspect of leadership. But then my personality had it, and I recognized it, right? It's good you didn't squander it because we do go through years and years right. of, you know, tr- literally mm-hmm. reading a textbook to try to regurgitate what we're reading. Yes. And new things aren't created that way. You know, it's, it's wonderful they're things aren't created that way, right? They're not created that Yeah. Way. So this, those sessions, hopefully, hopefully, that's my intent. My positive mm-hmm. intent behind them is to connect those dots into reality. Not just to, for a degree or a certificate that hangs on your wall. Sure. That has purpose and meaning for it, right? Uh, sometimes you're passionate, uh, very relative to it. I did my MBA uh, from the United States, uh, from Ohio, state, uh, state of Ohio. Because I wanted to do it. If you look at it, what kind of benefits it's given to me? I learned my leadership enough, management skill enough, when I was in defense, working under those two people. Right? Yeah. Like, enough. Taught me enough in such a way that I was told to go to a remote area, and I was told to arrange all of your, uh, you know, logistic, your commute, however you want to do it. So I just went on the journey, right? So I had to arrange a ticket for uh, all defense work is different than the civil life works, right? You have to be at the airstrip at the airport. It's not like airport, it's an airstrip. And then you request the pilot, hey man, can you get me in this? I have to reach there. And pilot will say, you know what? No, maybe not now. You have to take a sign of the pilot, the Air Force pilot, to get on the plane. So I went to him, I said, look, how are you doing? He said, oh, good. I said, sir, if, is it okay for you if, if you can sign this paper because I, 
I have this thing uh, purpose that I have to, you know, this is my uh, field record that I have to do if you can, you know, help me board the plane. You can't get in the plane if your pilot doesn't sign it. Uh, if you're on the roster, if you're on the roster, like you booked it in advance, you could look at it. But if you really want to go right on and you want to be on the plane, then you have to take a sign of pilot to be in okay. And then how I did it, I said, like, he's, I asked him, I said, where are you from? He said, from Augur. And I started building that relationship. I said, oh, I'm posted in Chandigarh, right? Weird place I am with us. Like, if you ever need anything, man, if you're ever here, let's hang out. If there's anything I can do for you, build me a relationship. And I was able to get in the plane. So I was able to figure out the management about this too is about, let's say I have a team who want to travel with me. Now I have cleared the hurdle for the entire team that to go with me, right? Mm-hmm. So I was learning this management by doing Yeah, it. you built the relationship, right? right? It's so funny what you can get done when you have that relationship. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, That's so, soft so, skills, <laughs> again, <laughs> right? What use is that degree if I cannot talk about what I learned? Soft skills are the most essential piece if you really want to groom. I, for example, if, you know, what Elon Musk is doing, and people haven't seen an entrepreneur like him in, in a long time, right? What he touches turns into gold. If he cannot tell us like how he can do it, right? And how can groom future leaders, soft skills are must. Soft skills are must, right? Because uh, uh, I think those are very, very critical for your transition from manager to a leader. Without soft skills, you could be a manager, managing people, micromanaging people, guiding people on the why and how part, but you're not grooming them that tomorrow they could replace you. The day anybody's within from your team is able to replace you, that's a leadership. Yeah, that's a win. Yeah. That's a soft, and that soft skills are very critical. Because technical skills, ever since I graduated in 2000 or 1998, these have changed. I'm coming from BB.net, Visual Basic. Where IDE the uh, for Java was huge to set up. It, Eclipse was so huge, it was like a pain to set it up. And today I'm talking about like no code. I'm talking about no ops. I'm talking about AI. I'm talking about ML. I'm talking about automation. Technology will change. What you need to make sure that you really know what you're good at, what you want to drive. Because if if your automation is your your, your strong point, you know that automation tomorrow is becoming an input into AI ML algorithms. Just for example, start working towards it. Start looking into that direction. How what you have today can be translated into the uh, future. And one of the things that you asked me, employee to employee asset. Yes, Convert I do want to touch on that, yeah. Employee to an employee asset by giving them of a sense of belonging in the past that you, you're awesome in the past. What you did in 2019, you're awesome. What you're doing in 2020, awesome. So you have a sense of belonging in the past. You're giving them a sense of belonging in the present and you're investing heavily into them through whatever tools, utilities, mechanisms, frameworks you have in your organization for the sense of belonging in the future. The companies who build, who who invest in sense of belonging in the present with the focus on the future are grooming a stronger human capital, a stronger human uh, employee assets, which is the most important asset uh, that a company has. They are the company face. You don't invest in them. Biggest of the companies have the biggest of the product. They're just getting teared apart. AOL. Yeah, they all get caught. The things are moving so fast. So that's what you meant, like when you said 
leadership, the success of a leader is really defined when and how he or she converts an employee to an employee asset. Once you have an employee asset, then you're going to keep innovating and, and stay ahead of the market, right? Instead of be caught. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot that, of sense. That's very, very critical. And I live with this dream where, you know, like I, I, you know, like my, whoever, whoever bosses I work with in the past, I've been always very, uh, you know, uh, very open with them. And I'm not, I, I'm not the kind of a guy who will be shying away to express my feelings if I don't like it. Because if I don't like it, but I have to tell them why I did not like with a reason, not just because I didn't like it. Because right? in that entire reasoning of your dislikeness, sometimes they get a better ideas. Hmm. Uh, some of the things, I'll tell you, one of the company I was working uh, the company came to me, they said, oh, we have to scale up. <clears throat> and if you want to scale up, we have to do a cloud migration. They said, this is the timelines we have, right? An employee-to-employee asset journey I'm trying to talk about here. Yeah. And he said, and the VP was like, he said, like, man, this doesn't look like a feasible timelines. And I knew my workforce. I knew my employee force. I Sorry, knew, the VP was saying to the CIO or the VP was saying to you no, he what was you came meeting, up with? We were in the meeting uh, with, with a bunch of my peer directors and everybody. And they said, like, I don't think it's achievable. Yeah. So, Would you mind telling us what the timeline was? <laughs> because I would say a couple months. A couple and months of moved to the cloud. Data center. Okay, cloud. cool. On-prem to the cloud, a couple months. On-prem to okay. the cloud. Sure. And you're talking about a product with 100 million revenue channel, right? Good, yeah. good product. Uh, being yeah. used. Uh, <clears throat> and just my personality, I said, I'll do it. They said, what makes you think you can do it? <laughs> that I know what it's going to take because we knew the problem statement already. Being in that entire thick of the movement, we knew why it's not getting done so quick and how it can be done quick because we did not focus on the how part. We focused on problem statement was to get in the cloud. How are we going to get it? Because we invested heavily into the why piece first to know the reason why it's slow. And we were already kind of approaching to the how part. We were working in the parallel because we knew that one day it's going to come up, right? And we knew it's not going to be a rocket science. It's, it's going to be easier. Only what I need is authority to operate, you know? All you need is a what? Authority to operate. Yeah. Authority, okay. Authority to operate, right? So you knew what needed to happen because you'd been what thinking needed... this is going to have to happen eventually. <laughs> I, think I knew it. What was the goal? My yeah, to team... say you know is that's tough, right? Because, you know, it's uh, hard to look a few weeks Correct. in advance and not thinking there's going to be ways that you're going to have to pivot as an organization to Correct. accomplish something so massive. But yeah, but what, you've been thinking about it. called that VP into a meeting with my team. And I said, look, we're going to try it. Anyways, we don't have this model, the cloud model today. If I fail, failure is on me. Which means if there's anybody who's going to get impacted because of this failure, it's going to be me because I'm taking the responsibility. I'm, yeah. I'm, I should be held accountable, right? This team is just helping me the cause that I should perform. Right? How big so, was your team at that point? Uh, I would say about, I had direct and indirect about 10 people, but okay. real hardcore, solid people. Nice. And uh, employee to employee asset. I always tell people that I do not 
it's not like I don't appreciate it. It's not like I, I don't like if person say I'm awesome in this product. I get more, more interested, more positive if somebody say I'm system intelligent rather than being a product intelligent. The difference between those two is yep. the product is mixed up of the system it sits on. You know, so system defines the product and its underlying dependencies. You may be awesome in the product that you develop on, but if you do not have an understanding of what it is sitting on, not every time the problem product is a problem. It's the underlying system sits in. So I said, go shift left, work on the system intelligence. So we were system intelligence. We knew the loads, we knew the high times, we knew the kind of scalability, we knew the kind of instance type, we knew the kind of network we were looking for. People knew that thing. And that's why I was confident. Like when you go to cloud applied migration, you have to really know historically what are you churning out, right? In your data center. Whether that data center churning is actually scale, is, is actually equal, uh, is, is, is relative to your load. It wasn't, we knew what we needed. So we had entire knowledge about the compute orchestration, what kind of computer orchestration we need, what kind of storage orchestration we need, what kind of network orchestration we need. And to my luck, <clears throat> we also invest in the database orchestration. That's the toughest of the layer. Right. So we start migrating data in the parallel to cloud, you know, which was going on for three months, even before this talk was happening. So yeah. I knew data, data is there. And we were we had automation also available, which could stand up instead. And we actually had a prototype of that product in the cloud <laughs> was working there. Yeah. So all matter was performance learning. Can it take that kind of a load, which is actually coming data center? Right. So for us, there was an automation which could scale. There was a system intelligence. We knew what pieces are needed. There was also historical data, what kind of a load we need to send on this particular infrastructure. What do we need to scale it up? To my luck, in week time, we moved in four data centers, US, Canada, US, US East, uh, and APAC, Singapore. There were some hiccups. I would not say there were not hiccups. Some data Data integrity was a problem. Some, some, some of the things got messed up because of duplication of data, but we that was a, some problem which we could solve it because that data was old enough that customer would be panicky about. It. So right. we went and we cleaned it up. But you know, uh, to my luck, I would say, and to my confidence, and to my, you know, I would say, what what worked there was the you know the, the, this team was a forward thinker, pretty confident. They had a pretty clear SDP, which is strategic development plan, how to go for it, right? And they were creative enough, innovative enough to invest in the tools which will enable them. But the key thing was they understood the problem. They understood why people think it can be done. They invested heavily on those layers, you know, automation, tool, processes, data layer, everything. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, I would not say, maybe the company would not say it, but I'm very proud of, and I'm making this statement, that product today had given this particular company a huge revenue because just because it's in the cloud, it is able to scale it up. Especially in the remote world of Corona, this is this tool is more used like a, a education web conferencing. Okay. So online classes. Okay. I can, so me naming it. I can understand which company you're at. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right? uh, they may or they may not confess it, uh, which is okay. That's their leadership quality. But I want to tell people that worked with me, you know, Loa, Leosh, Robin, Robin, right? Tomash, Martin, right? These are the kind of people I worked with. I still remember their name. Still remember the name. I, I still talk to them today. 
Yeah. They are my team. I talk to them. I ask them where they are, what what I can do, and they ask me what they can do for me. So, yeah, I'm sure they happy. They're happy you raised your hand and volunteered the team because that was a big problem to solve. And um, yeah, the skills that they learned though were the skills that they needed to be learning in that time, I, just in that era of IT. Right? If we right. think about the migration to the public cloud, there's companies that are still working on that. Of course, right. there are. Correct. Right. It's probably will be for decades, <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, I mean, that's just keeps you relevant when you raise your hand for, for right. tough, tough problems like that. But the reason you're able to raise your hand is because you knew it was a problem before it was asked of you uh, to try to solve it. Right. And you're like, Hey, I think I have an understanding of, of you know, at least a game plan. And we started least, to do least, something. Yeah, because I was really very confident about the, uh, with, 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 you know, with the technical workforce we had, Richard. Yeah. Heaven, I would name his guy's name. Uh, he's he's been a mentor for me. Uh, I've learned a lot from him. You know, I will not take his name again. His name is Rich. We call him Rich. I've learned a lot from him. You know, I knew if something goes wrong, you know, there are people who can who can help us, right? So, uh, so there's plenty that has been done uh, which I've learned. But my confidence doesn't come from my inner confidence. No, my confidence comes from my surroundings. I knew the kind of people I will have. If at all, I'm going to get stuck. The key thing for any leader is to have a very accurate mapping of, you know, resources to what are the key things you think can go wrong and map, make sure those people know about it, that you will reach out to them if anything goes wrong. In any of the complex projects, right? I wrote a little article on the LinkedIn when people contacted me after this complex migration. So I always tell them, I said, like, know the key people that's around you. Build that relationship with them. They should trust you. Your their trust on you will come if you are able to exhibit enough of the technical knowledge about the product. You have to get gain that respect from them. And if you're passing that in those values of innovation, creativity, positivity, optimism, you know, go getter, forward thinkers, you're basically turning an employee into an employee asset, right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah, that goes back to let me teach you the way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. I say, oh, let me guide you the way, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it definitely goes back, uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, to those values. Yeah, the and sense of purpose with direction. Yep. Sense of purpose with the motivation. Yep. You you will find a direction through mentorship. I that's 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 my mantra. I don't know if you might have heard about it before or not, but this is sometimes I feel I have invented these words. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, in, in a sense, you know, like this talks about my, you know, journey. We talked about employee stuff. You, I talked about, you know. Uh, yeah, what you're doing a mentor today, uh, employee asset. Yeah. Um, yeah, even you've gave some advice for people who are like software engineers, right? It's a lot about raising your hand um, and, and balancing the, the technical skills with the soft skills. Um, Very critical, yes. And uh, Mandeep, we are going to, I want to wrap it up, but I, I am, I am, you are a technologist and I am curious, you know, we talked about the migration to the cloud um, from a technology standpoint. I think you're unique in that uh, you've talked a lot about uh, the connection and you help people do this, the connection between the technology and the business outcome. What, what technology right now, you know, are, are you most excited about? Do you think that's most like disruptive um, you know, as we look forward here and maybe some people who are listening can, 
say, Hey, I'm going to study up on that or, or read about the why behind, you know, your statement. I think if I have to give a students a thought of an element of a thought, I would say, look at cloud computing problems today, right? It's a, it's a blessing, but at the same time, cloud computing has been, there, there, there've been some, some, some other tougher sites of its security, scalability, people, products not being ready from cloud native, right? And they're still in the cloud, right? Uh, is to look how the upcoming field of AI and ML will solve those problems in the cloud computing. I would not go into detail of it because that would be me kind of disclosing some of the things which will give me a market niche in the future. Okay. Is to start looking at the, the, the application of AI and ML in increasing the efficiency of your cloud computing models and organization to a, to a future level, right? Automation will still be the key, definitely. Automation yes. of certain criteria of your metrics KPIs. But if you want to think longer sustainability of your cloud computing, you know, start wrapping around the idea of AI and ML around it, that how it's going to enable a better experience of cloud computing to your organization and to your customers. All right. No, that's... Um... The automation, yeah, the automation is definitely a theme that you're you're chasing, all right, or um, I guess your niche. If I if I look at the, the, the back end is definitely automation. Yeah, right? which which automation. Said, automation is such a broad thing, right? Because automation is constantly changing as to what that means. And automation, um, I think it's a mindset. I always tell it's not a tool locked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's well, a good way to mindset. Better say what I try to voice. Correct. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mindset. A mindset. mindset. Mm-hmm. And, like certain, certain, some of the tools, you know, like there's a difference in two tools. One is thinking about present, one is thinking about the future, right? Without me going into the tool tool categories, those are the people who have taken automation as a mindset and they said, you know what? I need to give a better solution for this one. So I think AI and ML, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning will further enhance our cloud computing at the back. And how it's going to do it, it depends on the domain you work in health. We'll have mm. a different applicability of it. Uh, you know, a commercial ERP, CRMs will have a different applicability. So yeah. if think about it in generic, what are the common subset of the problems that you think is applicable? This will make you marketable across different domains. So, I think it also goes back to what you said in the beginning, which is uh, knowledge versus wisdom, right? Because that's like the, the, that's when they kind of collide when we're talking about automation, because yeah. the automation yeah. is the knowledge of the artificial intelligence, machine learning. The wisdom is... Wisdom. Is the different. thought of automation and where that's going and the mindset of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, indeed, before we wrap up here, is there anything that you would like to uh, to voice to our listeners before we uh, kind of close today? First of all, it's a great opportunity. I think what you're doing, Shamus, is awesome. You know, helps you connect with the people. Uh, but I think the pitch in for this kind of a you know podcast is to is just to motivate people who are out there who want to you know, try their hands into this, uh, you know, uh, endless world of automation, creativity, or modernization is to reach out, like reach out to people who you think can help you. I tell them, don't be shy, just reach out. And I'm making that pitch in here again, that if you are somebody who wants to work, who wants to know where the problem state in the market and cloud computing, to an extent, I can tell you, I will be very honest about it. I will guide you. I'll tell you how to approach it. And so that I can make your market ready 
while you come from college or if you're working and want to make a transformation into an automation will contact me. A lot of people are contacting me. I'm very, I'm feeling very blessed about it. And I'll do all the honest job I could to ensure you have a better path direction. And I'll get you also in touch with the right people who can be further grooming you up in there. So uh, reach out. Don't be hesitant. Reach out. You know, you are the future. And you want to have, if you have a better future, understand what you're going to be working in the future for. So, Yeah, that's very, um, say, thoughtful, kind, and generous, Mandeep. And it is the truth, right? Um, you have to be a little bold. And uh you know, platforms are out there today that are connecting us across the world and LinkedIn is available to everyone. And you know what, you might as well reach out. There's no harm in doing it. Um, That's how you and I connected. And I'd say we're, uh, you know, going from the professional connection to the personal one. And it's been wonderful having you on today. Um, You know, the whole purpose of this is to bring the value to the listeners, Mandeep. And I think you certainly did that. Uh, The same goes for me, right? People can reach out to me if they think I can help them with their network or, or help understand like the business connection to technology. Um, and then I guess just until next time, man, deep, it, it's been yep. great. And uh, you know, you have a good rest of the day. It was nice having you on. You too. I, sorry. I will add on more things for the sure. kind of personality I am. Yeah, let's do it. We, in, I intentionally did not go into a lot of technology because I think LinkedIn speak a lot about it, but mm-hmm. LinkedIn doesn't talk about my personality. So that's why I focus a lot on soft skill leadership, student development, those kind of stuff. So any technology questions, yeah, please please ping me for that. Don't think that we did not talk about technology. That was through a purpose because my LinkedIn talks a lot about what technologies I've worked, I've worked in. But my LinkedIn doesn't talk about my personality, that how I can enable you through my learning for your success criteria in the future. So I just yep. want to add that. And that's the bigger picture, right? Yeah. That's the, which I think is really interesting right now is the power that developers really have. Yeah. I think they're able to uh, make a connection between a business outcome and what's happening, um, you know, in, in the, in the programming language and what they're learning between school and then after school um, understanding, you know, how you can actually drive business outcome. It's becoming a shorter period of time um, to actually see the results of your hard work. So yeah. That is an important part of it. And that should be motivating people, honestly. Um, I think it's super exciting. So, Mandeep, it's always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thanks. Good luck, guys. All right, bye.